Ah, welcome back to 4th and 20. I'm Will Lott. Thank you for joining me. Uh, hit that like and subscribe, follow button. You know all that jazz. Today is November 2nd. It's football Saturday. Uh, we'll be uh, doing a little bit of the NBA and a recap of Thursday night's NFL game. The 49ers beat the Cardinals. Um, let's talk about that real quick. The And then we'll switch into the NBA. Um, the last podcast I talked about a couple times of I wanted to see Jimmy Garoppolo throw the ball. I wanted to see him in a two-minute offense. I wanted to see him command the field. Thursday night, the Cardinals did a good job of daring the 49ers to throw the ball, and they did a good job of stopping big play runs on that 49ers offense. Jimmy Garoppolo got in the shotgun with Kyle Shanahan's help, and Jimmy Garoppolo absolutely commanded the field. He absolutely proved me wrong. They must the 49ers and Jimmy Garoppolo must be listening to the podcast because they absolutely heard my uh, me voice my uh, my opinion about their offense. And they look good and they can throw the ball. Um and that leads me to my next point. So that means we have in the NFC the 49ers, the Packers, the Saints, uh, we have what I think are going to be the two wild cards, which is Minnesota Vikings and the Seattle Seahawks. And I think the NFC East winner, I'm going to go ahead and pick Dallas. I picked Dallas to go to the Super Bowl um, thinking that they were going to do a lot better job. Um, they have not, and I think that's uh, – I think it's time for a coaching change there because what I'm seeing there, I don't know if it's all necessarily um, – the quarterback's fault. I think that a lot of the tendencies you're seeing, uh, the inconsistency, we kind of saw with Tony Romo as well. And Tony Romo, Tony Romo was not a bad quarterback. So I'm starting to think it might be Jason Garrett, the coach, or the offensive coordinator, something, something on that sideline. Anyway, the 49ers look good. The NFC, I don't know if anybody really truly understands, understands this. I may not watch an AFC ga playoff game this year. The NFC, the NFC playoff race is going to be so much fun. It's going to be so much fun. All those games are going to be awesome and phenomenal. It will be a blast. I am ready. I am looking forward to the NFC playoff race. I cannot wait. I think it's going to be great. I really do. Um, Got to touch on another NFL subject real quick before we dive here into the NBA. I hate talking about this. My gosh, I wish we We'd leave this alone. Excuse me. I'm going to be very, I'm going to try to be very PC here. And those of you that truly know me, I don't like doing that. <sighs> Antonio Cromartie used to play for the Colts. Now, you'll probably understand where I'm going with this and the kneeling of the flag or kneeling for the flag during NFL games. Um, I do, I, when I made this podcast, I don't want to be political. Um, and unfortunately sports and politics kind of bleed into one another, unfortunately. So let me start off with Antonio Cromartie and then let me back up to the beginning here. Feels like a lifetime ago, but it's like three to four years ago. Um, everybody knows Colin Kaepernick, Colin Kaepernick took a knee protesting, um, police brutality during the national anthem. A lot of people didn't like it. A lot of people did like it. A lot of people say he's a revolutionary. A lot of people say that he's 
you know, a coward. I don't care what side you're on, whether you think he's right or wrong. Here's what it boils down to. Whenever you, at a job, start distracting your coworkers with something else and not focusing on the task at hand, you are going to throw yourself into scrutiny. It's just going to happen. It would happen with me if I did it at my work. It would happen if you, if you did it at where you worked at. Didn't matter if it was a career job or not, white collar, blue collar, it doesn't matter. I think we can all agree upon that. We're not here to pick sides. What I'm here to tell you is that the boss, the owner, the GM are allowed to scrutinize when you make an extreme decision like that. Once Colin Kaepernick, in my opinion, this is just my opinion, when Colin Kaepernick said, hey, I'm going to start doing this, he chose to put that over football. Now, remember, the 49ers weren't doing too hot when he did that. I'm going somewhere with this, and I'll, I'll lead it back into Antonio Cromartie. Bear with me. I hate talking about this. I really do. Colin Kaepernick, at that point in time, decided, I'm going to put this over football. Again, whether you agree with him or not, it doesn't matter. No matter what side of the field you're on. Tim Tebow necessarily didn't make a decision to put something before the other, but he became a distraction in the locker room. And that right there is enough. Again, whether you agree with it or not, it becomes an issue because all the owner and the GMs want to do is win. That's all they want to do. That's why they make extreme decisions. That's why some of the decisions you're like, what in the hell are they doing? That's a dumb decision because they think I'm going to go this direction to the most extreme because that's how badly I want to win. Okay. You'll notice that when Kaepernick became frontline news, there wasn't a whole lot of questions about football or the next opponent during pregame, postgame interviews. Wasn't a whole lot of questions about football. And as a football player, that's kind of your job. If I went into my work right now and did something for a good cause or a bad cause, again, the boss doesn't have to agree. I mean, he could possibly agree with me, but if my job is to stock the aisles of a grocery grocery store and whatever I'm doing, good or bad, if it is distracting my coworkers from doing their job and making money and winning, And it's obviously me not putting the groceries where they're supposed to be in that aisle first. Then what am I doing at work? That's the whole reason why you're there. You've got a whole off season to do whatever you want. And even then you're still subject to scrutiny. People are going to love and hate you no matter what you choose. Colin Kaepernick could have gone the opposite direction and he would have had haters still or, you know, lovers and haters. It doesn't matter what you agree with. What matters is that he was putting, the facts are he put something before football. And he he created a distraction for himself, the team, and and his fellow players. 
the GM could totally agree with him. The owner could say, hey, he's doing this for a good cause. But if we're 0-16, what's the point of having a football team? Go into politics. If if he truly believes in that that much, which I, again, if you want to go that route, go that route. But you got to have one or the other. You can't have your cake and eat it too. And may I say, I'm just going to throw this little opinion of my, you know, my own uh, conservative opinion in there. All these people who did kneel, you know, there's been several off seasons and you guys haven't done anything during those off seasons. Now, I appreciate Colin Kaepernick donating a million dollars to whatever he did. That's good. Hey, that should have been the first thing you should have done, in my opinion. That would have gained a lot of respect, but you didn't. You chose to put something else before your main job, your main career, and then you wonder why you got cut. That's all I'm going to say about that. Moving on, transitioning into Antonio Cromartie, who played for the Colts. Antonio Cromartie was one of the kneelers. He was a kneeler before he came in Indianapolis Colt. Let me tell you how he got to be an Indianapolis Colt. Ryan Grigson, one of the worst GMs in possible NFL history, was very big on getting old talent. And that's what Antonio Cromartie was. The last time I saw Antonio Cromartie really stand out and have a phenomenal year was one of the years where he was with San Diego Chargers. They're not San Diego anymore. And he picked off Peyton Manning a couple times in one game. That was light years ago. Decades ago. But Ryan Grigson, in all his dumb wisdom, yo, this is the same GM that thought getting Trent Richardson would be a great idea and several other names. This Ryan Grigson is also the same GM who gave away a couple players strictly out of spite because he wanted to keep the players that he paid a lot of money for even though they weren't producing. Antonio Cromartie is one of those players. The reason why I'm talking about this, by the way, is that Antonio Cromartie, it's all over the news. It, by the way, he's been out of the NFL for a while. Out of the NFL for, I, I don't know the exact time. It feels like it's been like five years. I, I'd roughly... Back when Ryan Grigson, man, I, I'd say it's probably about five years, roughly, give or take, give or take a year. He's been in the league for five years, and this guy is now coming out and complaining, and he said on the Pat McAfee show the other day that I've just, quote, put two and two together, end quote, of why he was cut. He was not cut from the Indianapolis Colts because he was kneeling. He was cut because he gave several blown coverages away to Jacksonville Jaguars. He was cut for playing selfish football. He was cut for trying to put big hits on players and absolutely whiffing every single time. Antonio Cromartie is just a Ryan Grixon slip-up. on the uh, One of the many on his list. That's what Antonio Cromartie is. Antonio Cromartie is not a martyr. Antonio Cromartie, in my opinion, he just needs to shut up. He's probably out of money, and that's why he's doing this and bringing it up at this point in time. Because if he truly cared, we would have heard about him since day one since he left the NFL. But no, we had to wait a little bit of time for his, you know, all his millions to run out and for him to try to slander Indianapolis when truly he should have retired several years before he got to 
Indianapolis. He just wasn't a good ball player anymore. And that begs the question, and this is just my opinion, that begs the question, maybe some of those players, including Antonio Cromartie, did that to ensure that they would stay put where they were at. The GMs and owners do not like distractions in the locker room. And Cromartie was a distraction. Just plain and simple. And may I remind you, those of you who don't know the Indianapolis Colts, um, and I say this just because it seems like more liberals are for Colin Kaepernick and more conservatives are not. The owner of the Indianapolis Colts, Jim Irsay, is a very, very big liberal. I don't know if you remember that he voted no on having Rush Limbaugh own the St. Louis Rams at one point when there was talk of him buying the team. Again, whether you agree with it or not, I'm just giving you facts. So don't sit there and think that Ursay's this big conservative that was trying to uh, defeat Antonio Cromartie or put down this NFL rebellion. That's not it at all. I think Danny Trevathan was a linebacker for the Denver, and he was, I think, one of the only people on his team that kneeled too. And he was not having a great year either. He also got into fights with Jack Del Rio on the sideline because he would play selfish football as well. Not play to what the team's scheme was. He wanted to do his own thing. Very talented. But you you have to wonder, did you start doing that just to, hey, if I do this, there's no way they can get rid of me now. Just a thought. Just my take. Because I've seen it before in real life. Boyfriend, girlfriend, whether it be the boyfriend or girlfriend, whichever one. One of them wants to break up with the other one. The boyfriend finds out his girlfriend wants to break up with him. The boyfriend goes out and does everything possible. He buys her flowers. He goes to extreme lengths and tells her he loves her when he really doesn't just to make sure that she stays. I've seen it with, you know, a few friends. Crazy girlfriend finds out they're wanting to leave. Next thing you know, she's pregnant. It's just a theory, just a theory that people do that to ensure that that person doesn't leave. And in this case, NFL players, some NFL players may have done it just not, they may believe in the cause, but maybe it's just to make sure, Hey, I don't, I don't want to get cut because I know I'm having a crappy year. I call that survival mode. If you're underwater and you're completely out of oxygen and you know you've only got seconds remaining, you'll do anything to get to that air to stay alive. It's just human nature. I call that survival mode. I can't say for sure. It's just my theory. I think Antonio Cromartie was in survival mode. Why he's bringing it up now, we don't know, and I don't care. All right. We're done talking about that. I don't like to talk about it. Moving on to the NBA. It was NBA Friday. I'd like to propose a rule change in the NBA. Kind of a hot take. Um, I don't know if anybody saw the Minnesota and Philadelphia game a couple days ago um, where Carl Anthony Towns and Joel Embiid threw fisticuffs. They were at each other's throat, down on the court. It was a huge brawl. Both of them got two-game suspension. Um, great game, by the way. <laughs> Even with the fight. 
here's my rule change I'd like to propose. And I just saw this because I was watching the game. Um, first of all, I love Embiid. I think he's a hilarious personality. Um, the NBA will find people, or I'm sorry, players that are sitting on the bench. And if they come off of that bench, even if you stand up and take one step out on that court, when you see one of your players getting getting into a fight, one of your teammates, you are going to get fined and suspended. I'm curious, when is the NBA going to fine and suspend players for grabbing the opposing players away from the fight? If there's a fight on the floor, which we saw during this game, Jeff Teague, one of the Minnesota Timberwolves, grabbed Joel Embiid and was yanking him back and doing all this stuff. It didn't escalate it then, but I've seen it in other places where that has escalated into a separate fight. And it's just, it takes 20, 30 minutes during the game, away from the game, because we're now we've got a small fight over here. We saw Ben Simmons do the exact same thing uh, to Carl Anthony Towns, tackled him to the floor and headlocked him, made him tap out. Now, it was kind of funny. But I think they need to, the NBA needs to get that under wraps. Fine and suspend players during a fight if they grab onto other, the opposing players. If Jeff Teague was going after Carl Anthony Towns, which was his teammate, I have no problem with that. Because now you're controlling it. Now you're smothering the fight. You could easily start another one if you grab another player, an opposing player. Why do that? To me, that's just instigating, and I don't like it. It didn't happen during this game, but we've seen it many, many other times. Of the, All of a sudden, there's like two other s- small side fights, and then that's when people leave the bench. And you've got 18 guys in suits out there, half the coaches, coaches and security, trying to get these guys who are much bigger and powerful men than they are and it, it just takes away from the game. I'm wondering if the NBA is even thinking about that. Again, it didn't happen in this game, but we've seen it before. Moving on, I just want to hit on this quick point. The Heat look really, really good. Euro, I believe that's how you pronounce his name, H-E-R-R-O. Euro and Kendrick Nunn are scoring machines, and Spolster has them rocking and rolling. Spolstra, I think that's his name. I can't remember. Doesn't matter. The Miami coach has got them rocking and rolling. They're doing all this without their number one player they got in free agency, Jimmy Buckets. Jimmy Butler hadn't stepped stepped on the court yet. And Miami looks good. They have a very good scoring team. They're just running simple pick plays, getting guys open, making the extra pass, unselfish ball, and these guys are natural scorers. Kendrick Nunn is a natural scorer. It'll be interesting to see because I don't have, I don't know if I even, I'll have to go back and look, but I don't even think I put the heat in the playoffs. They keep up with this. And if Jimmy Butler comes in and the transition is smooth and they keep progressing when Jimmy Butler gets in, they will absolutely make the playoffs. Heat look good. That's a take. I want to also move on, uh, move over to this. Uh, Way too early prediction. 
Anthony Davis is my early MVP bet right now um, because he is playing with a tenacity I have not seen since he came out of college. It seemed like Anthony Davis came to the Pelicans, was there for a little bit, did some real good stuff, and then they just kind of dropped off. He's still been playing, but there's like a three or four year hiatus where it's like, you know, is, is Davis still in the league? If you weren't looking for him, you wouldn't have found him. But he looks 10 years younger. I'm not saying he's old. He just looks like a beast in LA. You can tell he wants to be there. Look out for Anthony Davis. Right now, he's my prediction for MVP this year if he keeps playing the way he does and stays out of uh, any unhealthy issues. Doc Rivers. Oh, this is a good point. Oh, I love talking about the Clippers. The Clippers are all in. The first game I watched when they didn't even have Paul George on the on the court, the Clippers are all in. Every single one of them, you can just feel it, you can see it, that they bought into that Doc Rivers offense and defense. They are playing. Every time I watch the Clippers, it's like watching a college team. They all play defense. Patrick Beverly, Patrick Beverly is their defensive anchor. And then they hustle back down the end of the, in the other end of the floor. They make two passes quick mid-range jumper. They can shoot the three. They can drive in. They are so good, and they're doing it without Paul George. Doc Rivers has this team all bought in to the system. That's why I believe in the Clippers. I'm still picking the Clippers to win it all. I think those are the best odds. That's way too early prediction. I'll make another prediction once we get to playoff time. I think that's reasonable, but I'm I'm probably still going to stick with the Clippers unless you know everyone's just absolutely hurt on that team. Um, shifting gears, speaking of which, the Clippers are kind of in the news in hot water. The other night, the Clippers were on national television, and it was the first time that they decided to sit their leader, their all-star, Kawhi Leonard. And a lot of people are furious about it. How can you be this tired all this quick into the season? Sooner or later, they were going to start doing it. San Antonio started it. The Bill Belichick of the NBA, Greg Popovich, started this. And it works. It works. They did it in Toronto last year with Kawhi. Every once in a while, they sit him. Say, hey, we'll take the $100,000 fine. We want him to be healthy. Our goal is a championship. I'm all for it. I'm absolutely all for it. Because in my opinion, they need to lower the amount of games played in the season. Will it happen? Probably not. Is there is there some money to lose? Eh, yeah. But if you were to lower the season, lower the number of games played during the season, you may not have this. You could also bump up the ticket prices because every game then would be more important and more worthwhile. Just my thought, but I'm all in. I'm all in on the LA Clippers, and Doc Rivers can take all the scrutiny in the world. They're upset that he didn't play on national television, and then they're getting ready to play him in San Antonio um, on an untelevised game. First of all, I don't understand why the Clippers aren't on national television, <laughs> but you know, that's fine. Maybe the NBA should do a better job of 
scheduling those games for nationally televised, in my opinion. I think it's smart. I think it's smart by Doc Rivers. I think it's smart by Kawhi. And I think that the LA Clippers owner, who I admire, who has that fire and tenacity, would gladly pay $100,000 every time Kawhi sits. If it means that there's a bigger, bigger chance in percentage that you're going to go to the championship and win. All right, the Warriors. Oh, man. Steph Curry, broken hand. His shooting hand is broken. Listen, a lot of people are upset. The San Francisco Bay Area. Oh, my gosh, we're not doing anything. You should be ashamed if you thought you guys were going to go to the playoffs. I probably, now I picked them to go to the playoffs, but I probably had them a little too high. And that was before we found out that Clay Thompson was out for the entire year. We thought he was going to come back. He's not. Clay Thompson had that bad injury in the finals against the Raptors. Clay Thompson was a pivotal role in that offense. Clay Thompson can shoot. Clay Thompson's a shooter. And with, with him out, Steph Curry is now the target of defenses. Clay Thompson took some of that pressure off Steph Curry. So Steph Curry had to step his game up. Now that he has a broken hand, and they say he's probably going to be out for three months, here's what I would do. Get a couple good round draft picks and rebuild. You are officially rebuilding in the Bay Area. And some people told me, no, that's not rebuilding. Anytime that you want to sit one of your stars and say, hey, we need to gather some more good guys and get get better. This just isn't our year. That is a rebuilding year. That's the definition of rebuilding. It may go quicker than most teams. It'll absolutely go quicker than the Phoenix Suns rebuilding. They've been rebuilding since Steve Nash left. <laughs> but if I was the Warriors, I'd tell Steph, get 100% completely healthy. Don't come back this year. Don't worry about it. I would clade, I, <laughs> I would trade Draymond Green. If you wanted to, if you didn't want to tank, I would trade trade Draymond Green to someone, get a couple of good guys on the bench because they have no depth at all. Besides Clay Thompson being out for the year, you've also during this offseason lost Andre Andre Iguodala and Sean Livingston. Both of those guys are super underrated and provided valuable, immense amount of valuable minutes off the bench for the Warriors. If you watch games before where Curry wasn't having a very good night and Clay was leading or it was the other way around and a couple of those guys had to come off the bench, had to go sit on the bench for a little bit during a game that was close, Sean Livingston and Andre Iguodala would step up big time. Those two are veterans. A lot of basketball wisdom was displayed. Andre Iguodala basically led them to their first finals because the first finals they they went to, Steph Curry was not very good. And it was the year that Steve Kerr had taken over and Mark Jackson had kept Andre Iguodala out of respect on the starting lineup. And Steve Kerr had to come to Andre and say, hey, listen, we need you to play valuable minutes off the bench. And Andre said, sure, because Andre's a winner and Andre wants to win and he's smart. And it worked to perfection. 
Iguodala had one of the best series of his life when Steph Curry wasn't. You lose those two basketball minds off your team that provided valuable minutes and valuable wisdom. The guys that would do anything, sacrifice their body on plays, die for the loose ball, do the dirty work, get those rebounds, don't care if they score any points, they just want to do whatever it takes to win, are gone. It's time to let Steph Curry sit and rest and relax for a little bit. There's not going to be an amazing run to the playoffs. There's not going to be a finals parade this year in the Bay Area. Steph Curry's broken hand was the final nail in the coffin. Losing KD was the first. Klay Thompson being out for the whole season now is big. And even bigger was losing Sean Livingston, a great shooter, and Andre Iguodala. That hurt them. All those resulted in a lost year. And that's probably all it's going to be is just one lost year. But it's over in the Bay Area. That dynasty is officially over. Sad to say. Thank you guys for listening. I appreciate it. Uh, I know it's Saturday. I'll do a better job of uh, uh, making sure that I get the right days and uh, permanent days down. I'll let you know. Hit that like and subscribe, that follow button. I'm available on six different platforms now. I appreciate it, guys. This is 4th and 20, and I'm Will Lott. Have a great weekend. I'll be back Wednesday night.